Lately, I've been doing a lot of assuming episodes are bad based on my faint memories of them, and I've been wrong quite a lot. So I'm not going to judge this ridiculous-sounding episode before I actually watch it for a change. So we open with Spike and Carly riding around in Hoist. He's one of those slightly femmy faux English dudes we met earlier in the season, and happening upon a thrilling car chase, which happens to be staged for a movie. This might have actually fooled us had we not seen the word Hollywood in the title six seconds before. The director yells at them for ruining his motion picture, and that's how you can tell I'm old. People still called them motion pictures when I was a kid. For some reason, the highly trained stuntmen drive off a cliff during this conversation. Hoist springs to the rescue and gets his ass kissed by the director, who immediately mispronounces his name as, get ready for hilarity, Moist. Ugh. Oh, and look, on the set, it's Harold Edsel and Karen Fishhook. Any similarity to the romantic leads in Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back is coincidental. The director offers Hoist a job. You know, Moist, I think we can use you. How'd you like a job as a, well, what should we call it, a vehicle robot? Uh, Hoist can't, but I will. But you're not a vehicle robot. Something tells me that Carly reminds Spike of this fact every single day of his pathetic little human life. Meanwhile, Dirge, he's the conehead jet who isn't thrust or ramjet, conveniently crashes at the exact same movie studio. What are the odds? While this happens, Megatron and Starscream watch from the safety of their underwater headquarters and make snarky comments. Hey, it's easy to criticize, guys. Fun, too. Dirge is carrying some kind of top-secret cargo which must be retrieved at all costs, so Megatron sends Astro Train and the aforementioned guys with the hilarious names after it. Back on the movie set, the shooting day is about to begin. Enter Trax, who just can't bear to see another Autobot making it in Hollywood. So he puts on a little show and dazzles the director into hiring him. He loves show business, you see. I think you know why. Oh, and here comes Warpath, too. In tank mode, shooting at stuff. That's an excellent way to get on a human's good side, dude. Sunstreaker and Powerglide show up as well. So what, any guy who had the word arrogant or vain in his tech spec gets written into this episode? Astoundingly, the director decides to just go ahead and hire them all to ramp up the action in his movie. I guess he isn't Michael Bay because, well, there are robots in the movie. Proper square-looking robots, not a pineapple head to be seen. Or hilarious jokes about urinating and masturbating. But I digress. So shooting begins. And almost immediately, the Autobots get pissed off about being typecast as cars and planes and tanks. They want to do real acting. But the director has no time for that. He's dealing with this mysterious crashed plane on his set. Which, with its clearly visible Decepticon insignia, doesn't raise anyone's suspicions at all. The prima donnas decide to storm off the set, leaving Hoist alone again. In other words, we've basically been running in place plot-wise for about three minutes here. Finally, the Decepticons swoop in to reclaim Dirge and his precious cargo. Then Thrust, and Thrust, escape. <laughs> Double thrust. Back at Decepticon HQ, Megatron gloats over the ultimate weapon his guys have retrieved. But given the things he's classified as ultimate weapons recently, it could be anything. But what does it do, Megatron? <laughs> Our clever leader doesn't know what it does. <laughs> Insolent pile of scrap iron! It has been kept locked up on Cybertron in Wheeljack's workshop all this time. It must be deadly. It came out of Wheeljack's lab, and it's an ultimate weapon? Uh-huh. Unsurprisingly, all it does is shake and smoke a little. Some ultimate weapon, Megatron! Because of your bungling, it was left to soak in that swamp! Man, Starscream really takes some abuse in this one, and it wasn't even his fault this time. Megatron finds out that the Decepticons were filmed during the retrieval and freaks the fuck out, again. If the Autobots were to find out... Never mind that one was standing right there on the set the whole time. Actually, we better not say anything to Megatron about that at all, or he might hit us. He's positively Galvatronian this week. Back on the set, the director's going over the dailies and decides that his footage is too good not to use. 
He's changing the movie entirely. Now it's about giant robots. Which is a fine idea for a movie, really. Someone should make a movie like that someday. So he calls back the Autobots. See how their names are misspelled on their chairs? That'd probably be a lot funnier if the animators didn't already do that every week. Or do I need to beat the Cosms joke into the ground even further? Like any director making a movie about robots, he decides to ignore their naturally cool look and give them stupid monster heads. You know, I'm not trying to make this all about Michael Bay, I just can't help it. Actually, I'd watch this movie. Especially if it starred Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. I, I mean, made-up names that aren't those guys. At all. Across the set, the Decepticons are hiding on a stage with a big sign on the door that says, um, C-L-L-O-S-E. Claws? Yeah, thanks for helping me make my point, guys. And hey look, Starscream gets more abuse. I personally oversaw the operation. Erection. The negative is still missing. How, how was I to know? I did what you told me. I followed your orders. I warned you, Starscream. Wait, why not just level the studio? Destroying all the prints. I've had enough of you and your ideas. Megatron, don't, don't. Man, he's like a beaten wife at this point. Where's that cocky Starscream swagger? Megatron must be especially nuts this week. Look at this! Then we're suddenly in a Roadrunner cartoon as Rumble slips on the set and replaces the fake explosives with real ones. They practically gave him one of those plain red cylinders of dynamite here. Or those round bombs. So classy. Actually, unsurprisingly, everyone comes out okay. I'm pretty sure that was a hasty bit of inconsequential peril for the act break. But you see how the camera stays in one place so you can see what's going on? Alright, alright, I'll stop. The director gets upset about the chaos on his set and Hoist calms him down. Hey, Hoist! He's in this episode! Yeah, I'm not really sure why they titled this Hoist Goes Hollywood. I mean, yeah, he sort of gets the plot going at the beginning, but that's about all he does. I think he has like a dozen lines in the entire thing, and they certainly don't bother fleshing out his character to even the two dimensions of, say, tracks or power glide. They should have called this episode, Starscream gets repeatedly pummeled by Megatron, who seems to be on the rag this week. Now that's a cinematic masterpiece of epic proportions. And now it's time to answer some viewer mail. Duncan Bosco writes, If you directed a Transformers movie, who would be in it? What would the plot be? And what music would you put in it? You know, this is a total cop-out answer, and I'm sorry for that, but the perfect Transformers movie has already been made in 1986. I mean, it's the Citizen Kane of giant cartoon toy commercial robot movies. It's got everything I would ever want. It's got anime-style animation. It's got celebrity voices. It has hair metal from the 80s and lots of Autobots dying. So a few more weeks, I'll show you exactly why it's so awesome. Until then, you're just going to have to take my word for it. You ready for my big scene, Mr. Director? Huh? Oh, yeah, the robot. Uh, okay, Moist, uh... Pick up a donut from the catering truck and relax until I call for you. Donut? 